I'm glad to see you all, and and so I've seen. I'm I'm getting spoiled seeing seeing you all so often. Uh, it's been a wonderful Holy Week, and we've come to the apex of Holy Week, the the day that we remember the extent of Christ's love for us on Good Friday. Good Friday. So welcome to you. Welcome to those who are um, worshiping with us by live stream. We've had a, a good number of folks that have uh, followed us by live stream, maybe even from, from your place of work. And so we, we thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to um, have a prayer and then we're going to sing um, my dentist's favorite hymn, Crown Him With Many Crowns. Y'all think about that. Kim Whit didn't think that was funny. But, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for blessing us with another day. Thank you, Lord, that as we have followed you this holy week, that we have come to Friday, a solemn day, Lord, a day that we remember what you went through for us, how much you loved us, how far you were willing to go for us. But it is Good Friday for a reason, because, because of what you did for us on that first Good Friday. So Lord, we are solemn today, but we also celebrate and we remember, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to the power of your spirit that as we sing, as we remember, as we hear the music and the word shared, that we would be touched in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're able, will you stand and join me, hymn number 327, Crown Him With Many Crowns.
Please be seated. We're blessed today. We've, we've had wonderful music and speakers all week, and we're blessed today by uh, our singer, Anna Morgan Harrell, who I believe that y'all know. I believe y'all are familiar with her. And I think she's being a, I think Trish is back there. Are you back there, Trish? Her mama's accompanying her. And um, so we're, we're looking forward to that. Our speaker today is Reverend Davis Johnson, pastor at Southside United Methodist Church. And I know some Southside folks are, are out there. And I, I have really enjoyed getting to know him just a little bit. I, I drove the church bus over there uh, when, uh, and took the youth group and Andy over well, I, I kind of include Andy with the youth group, um, um, but we we all went over and and had a a big time a few weeks ago with the Southside youth and and met a lot of the uh, wonderful folks over there. So I'm looking forward to hearing Davis uh, after Anna Morgan sings. One more thing I want to to say is you are all invited to come upstairs after this uh, and join us for lunch go through these doors and, and upstairs and, and join us for, for lunch after this is over with. So um, we look forward to Anna Morgan and then uh, Pastor Davis.
good afternoon. It's a privilege to be here at Gadsden First, to be with some familiar faces that I walked in with. But more than anything, as a United Methodist pastor, and what I see as a season of hope, a season of new life, a season of connection and resurrection, it is a joy to worship with you. Um, that we come together um, on Good Friday, besides Ash Wednesday, one of the darkest days in the Christian year. And as we look in a moment at a snapshot of the story from John's Gospel, I ask that you would take time, prepare your heart and your mind, and be expectant that God is doing new things among us all the time, and that God has come to meet us in this time of worship. Would you listen for the word of God from the 11th chapter of John? I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. And then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Cyphus, who was the high priest at the time, said, You don't know what you are talking about. You don't realize that it is better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, this Good Friday, we ask that you would still the busyness within us. Slow down our hearts and our minds. Renew our spirit in this brief moment of worship in a busy season. And as new life springs up around us, give us the strength and the courage to face the worst in our human spirits. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever seen people that are so broken down and defeated just by getting through life that they seem to want others to be miserable with them? Do you know those kinds of people? Because I know a few of them. I've run into some of them. And you may have uh, expected me to start with a different story of some fish, maybe the story of loaves and fishes, talking about the many blessings of Jesus Christ. But instead, I want to begin this um, sermon with a 
story about a few fish just up the road in East Gadsden. Um, yesterday, I went into a pet store. I have a good friend of mine um, who's a member of our church in Southside, and he and I have been sharing the joy of freshwater fish keeping. So I've been trying to keep some fish alive for about a week, and it's gone well. And I went yesterday to get a few more fish. I'd done a lot of research because just like any hobby, if, you, if there are any woodworkers in here, people that bought a truck they like to work on, a boat that you own, if you like to renovate your house, there are projects we get ourselves into and we, we kind of want to learn all we can. You start reading books all day about your new hobbies or you go on the internet and you scour the internet, you find videos to teach you what to do next. I'd done all that. I'd done my research and I went to a store and just like, you know, just I, I went up to ask some of the people at the store for some help. You know, that's their thing. They help. I come in and uh, spend money there. And so I'm, I'm looking for help. And one of the women who was working a register, she was very skilled at this. I could tell it was a, probably a decade in the making. She averted her eyes very sternly, slid a closed register sign forward, and walked into a, like, closed room so she didn't have to deal with me. And like a few more attempts later, about half an hour later, I finally got someone to come over and help me out with these fish. And you know, I'd done my research. I'd learned what I was looking at. And I was asking about if they were compatible with what I already had. And I'm kind of excited, you know. It's an exciting thing. And she cut me off and went, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to stop right there. I'm not the right person to ask. I don't know anything about fish. And so I, I stopped and kind of pinched myself and looked around and thought, this is, you know, like a fish store after all, isn't it? And um, I got frustrated with myself and, and the experience, went up to another place down the road. And just like every time before, the people inside were excited to share their hobby, their passion, their joy, everything they knew. They wanted to talk about the fish tanks they had and everything going on in theirs. It wasn't this awful experience where I was treated like I was a problem for coming in with some kind of hope to leave with something new. You could tell they all actually wanted to be in the store. And I know it sounds strange, but in an in a interesting way, I think that this exact contrast is what's going on in the story of Good Friday. The contrast between two ways of living, one being on autopilot, frustrated to help, irritated at having to talk to somebody new, always checking your watch. And the other way you could live is to be excited, to be full of hope. The opportunity to connect isn't seen as a problem. And this is the story of today's scripture. Jesus calls this difference to the forefront in different teachings as he talks about the good shepherd and the hired hand. 
Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. When one of my sheep wanders off, do you think I let it roam? I run after it. It may be in danger. And he says the hired hand does the exact opposite. That sheep wanders out of the pen. It probably deserved it. It's not smart enough to do right after all. It's not the heart of Jesus. Why chase after this endangered sheep when it might mean danger for me? These questions, they don't resonate with the good shepherd. The depth of his love and concern, the passion he had for new life that God was bringing about all around him, his trust in God's healing, it could have emboldened the faith of the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, Did you hear that short scripture I read earlier? Do you think that the ministry of Jesus brought faith to those who watched him from a distance like that? As you watch, they they feel threatened. They're worried. Because faith can be one of two things can be seen as a rare commodity to be protected and handled with kid gloves and put up on the shelf to not talk about with anybody but the people closest to you. And I've had faith like that. It doesn't get you very far. Instead, you can see your faith as a gift too sweet to keep to yourself. And Jesus, who knew that he would be betrayed, he warned those in his inner circle this would happen. He saw this coming, but he felt the overwhelming power of love, which is in its sharing, not its receiving. Jesus is never discouraged. Every sick person made well, every life turned around, every family made whole. All of us, everyone in this room, all those that are watching, we're an example of the fact that God is always raising up new life and the ashes and the destruction we make of the lives we've built. We're all a testament that God so loved this world that he sent Jesus to live, to show us how to be in ministry, but ultimately to suffer and die at the hands of ordinary people. And the faith of the Pharisees tells them when they see Jesus and he goes out in the crowd and someone comes up to him urgently like they do before church services at times and they say, hey, my family's struggling. I know you don't know me, but I I came here miles away and I need hope. He would connect with that person. 
He wouldn't brush them off and see them as a part of this big machine like the Pharisees did. It's not enough to go around. They think that the nameplates on their desk make them some integral part of what God is doing in the world. As if it takes them for God to be in in work, at work in people's lives. And when you look to Jesus, he does the exact opposite. He says, one day I won't be here, and you have to keep this ministry going, bringing hope to the hopeless, praying with the brokenhearted, serving those who are recovering from addictions, binding up people in hope. But if they let this wild man continue, the nation will be destroyed. That's how they see it. Because to them, just like to many leaders throughout the earth and across, across time, so many people want to make themselves so important that everything kind of revolves around them. And leaders make themselves this central piece of what God is doing. It's not what Jesus does because the work must go on. God sent Jesus not to do one thing on the cross or on Easter, but to start something new. Why do they plot Jesus' death? It's the question on all of our minds as this day comes up during Holy Week. Why do these people want to kill him? Well, they just can't afford for the world to change. Have you thought about that? That these leaders of Jesus' day, if they let Jesus continue his ministry and people are actually made well, they don't just come to hear what reason it is that they've got some disease. Instead, they're actually healed and given new life, sent home to make peace with those they've been divided amongst. Jesus walked in freedom. He shared faith and hope with every person that he met, knowing that those close to him would betray him. He was still full of hope. Because he's done so many things. He's been emboldened by God. He's turned over tables. He's paraded in. People have shouted hosannas and they've called him a healer. And it makes the leaders of his day 
so fearful. They can't afford to let him go on. It's how the world works. We get rid of threats before they're ever a problem. And Jesus, to them, presented a problem. But these self-important leaders, they want to see Jesus fail. And I don't know how many pastors you've been close to in your life. I don't know how many wonderful Sunday school leaders you followed or evangelists, different people of faith in your life. I don't know any of them that I would trust, that I would follow in a service who would see someone sharing the love of God And instead of hoping that that moment of connection and healing would make the world a little bit more the way it's supposed to be, these Pharisees, they look at him and they they hope he fails. Which tells me that unlike Jesus, these men are faithless. They have no hope. They have no vision. They hold on so tightly to what they still have because they're so afraid. If they let go of this role, where is God going to work in my life? They feel above an ordinary discipleship. They're hateful. Importantly, they're dangerous. They see a nation being made well. They watch revival spring up around them. They see people give up the things that have held them down for years. They see families reunite. People's hearts are moved. These men are afraid. And deep down, We are too. And that is the pitiful part of our human nature. One of the most common questions, if I was to summarize all the ways people ask it down into one, that people ask me one-on-one as a pastor is, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? You ever ask that question in your life? Why does Judas sell his teacher, his savior, more than anything, his friend, over to these faithless and hateful people? We're fickle. We are. I've been fickle in my life. I know many of us have. We can change our minds in an instant. We can give up on the hope of all hopes. 
tell ourselves that we're fine, that God's already worked out all the mess in our life that he needs to, that we're well on our way to where we need to be, and this life is just an in-between. And that is not the faith of Jesus Christ. And it was as simple as seeing the disgust and the fear, the worry and the anger in the eyes of those that condemned Jesus. You didn't have to wait around and get the message spelled out. You knew they were going to put a stop to this. He knew that one of his followers would fail him. He sat on a cross and bled and died. What did he say? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. No matter how powerful the love of God, evil is at work in this world, in my life, in your life, and in the world around us. And we are always being formed by these two different things, the love of God, the hope of Jesus Christ, in our sinful, broken spirit. We're a mess and a mix of these two. We're always being pulled towards grace. No matter how many mistakes you've made, if you let yourself down, the hope of all hopes the true vine, the good shepherd, our teacher and guide, the Savior that met me on the front steps of a church in Tennessee, fearful and concerned about my father's health, the gracious shepherd who never sees the worst in any of us, who sees every man, woman, and child as a beloved member of God's family. And they killed him. Jesus, he told people throughout the Gospels that they are searching for wholeness and healing and hope looking for answers in all the wrong places. The hope of all hopes. And what does Judas do? They come to him. 
And they say, what will it cost? What would you say? To sell him out. Bought at a price. Given up by those that loved him. For 30 pieces of silver. They got rid of him. And so we sit and we wait and we wonder will the hope of Jesus Christ find us again? Would you pray with me? God of love and grace, God of hope, resurrection, we know But we get in our own way more than anyone else. This Good Friday, give us the strength to remain with you. Though the world may be dark, we know who's with us in the good, in the bad, in all our days, the hope of the world. They couldn't get rid of him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to uh, just remind you that, that upstairs we'll have lunch, and I'm going to say a closing prayer, which will be our, our blessing, and we hope that you'll stay around and join us for lunch. Uh, tomorrow we have our Easter egg hunt, so uh, it will be indoors, which is the way that we, we plan that, not knowing that the weather is going to, um, would have driven us indoors anyway, I think. So, um, so if you can come and help out with that, or if you have uh, some kids you want to bring, it'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, join us again for Easter. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yeah. It's, I think that was a sermon somewhere, uh, wasn't it? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as, as we ponder, as we ponder Good Friday, help us to hold that close to our hearts but also hold on to the hope that comes of the resurrection. As we go upstairs and fellowship around the table, bless our time together, bless the food that we are about to receive, the hands that have prepared it for us, and we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.